Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Turn to the people around you and say, Happy Mother's Day. Yay. I know that there are so many mamas out there and grandmamas and spiritual mamas and yearning mamas-to-be. I know this day is special and wonderful for so many, and I just want to pray one more time for us this morning as we jump into this word today. So let's pray. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you see us, that you hear us, God. God, we pray that you'd fill this place with your presence and that you would speak to each of us this morning, God, in a special way. And God, we just commit this to you. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to play a little bit of a game. Are you ready? Okay, that, well, this side's ready. Is everybody ready? Okay, okay, this is a game called Raise Your Hand If You've Ever. Before I start, today we're talking about comparison. Raise your hand just so I know I'm not the only one who is dealing with comparison. Okay, good. Okay, okay. So this is a game called Raise Your Hand If You've Ever. Now, this is a level five game, okay? So like if you came to my house for dinner, we would play like level one, like what's your favorite color? Or level two, like tell me how you guys met. This is level five. Are you ready? Do you have, this side's ready again. Do you have the guts? Okay, good. All right, here we go. Raise your hand if you've ever felt your blood boil a little bit because someone else was doing what you wanted to do. Good. Raise your hand if you've ever felt a little snarky and distanced yourself and maybe felt a little tad bit judgy because somebody looks so good. Raise your hand if you've ever made up stories in your head because you were jealous about something somebody else had. Yep. Raise your hand if you have felt inferior or insecure because you felt like someone knew so much more than you did. Oh my gosh, yes, every day. Okay, raise your hand if you thought, if I only had this, then I could do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And last one, last one. Raise your hand if you've ever took yourself to a one-person pity party. Raise two hands if you brought confetti. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yes, we are talking about comparison today. And I put on Facebook this question this week about just tell me, I just wanted to make sure again that I wasn't the only person dealing with comparison, but tell me how comparison has hurt your heart. What, how does it get in your life? And this is what people said. From feeling smart, from feeling like others are smarter than them, to feeling like people are better moms or better wives, or they can recite scripture like a song, and you're like, the answer is Jesus, right? It's just Jesus. This is me, okay? Two, also like their exercise routines or people's vacations or how sweet their husband seems to be online, right? To their kids' schooling, to educational opportunities, to extracurricular opportunities, to careers, to finances, to the highlight reel on Facebook that constantly tempts us to covet. It's just an epidemic. 
Comparison is an absolute epidemic in our life and it is affecting our heart. So I'm in this class called Anatomy and Physiology 2 and before I took this class, I knew I had a heart. But I didn't know anything about my heart. But now I know something about the heart and I'm so excited to tell you. Are you ready for a lesson in the heart? Because we have some things in our heart that actually guard our heart. Okay, so here we go. Ready? Let's, hopefully I can get this right. Okay, so the blood is coming into our right atrium from the superior vena cava, the inferior vena cava, and the coronary sinus. And it's coming into our right atrium, and it's bringing deoxygenated blood from the body systemically into our right atrium. At the very same time, there is blood coming into our left atrium from the pulmonary circuit, which is in our lungs, bringing oxygenated blood into the right atrium. Then that blood goes down through passively through these valves called the tricuspid valve on the right side and the bicuspid valve on the left side. And they go into our ventricles and the ventricles start to fill with blood and the pressure starts to build. And as soon as the pressure is big enough and strong enough, those valves shut tight like this. Okay, and they're held in place by the chordae tendineae, which are cords, and these anchoring muscles called papillary muscles. And they hold those valves shut. And they do that so that the blood doesn't go back the other way, so that it doesn't go back into the atriums. Because if it did, then our blood wouldn't be able to go into the pulmonary circuit from the right ventricle, right, to get oxygenated. And our blood wouldn't be able to move from the left ventricle into our body systemically to give our body what it needs, right? So, thank you. So, yeah, so those Things in our hearts, those valves guard our heart. And it reminds me of a verse. I'm going to get a drink of water first, though. Okay, that was a lot. Okay. Oh, gosh. Okay. It reminds me of a verse in Proverbs 4.23 that I love so much. And it's probably a verse that you love. But maybe we haven't, like, taken the time to really, like, let it sink in. So let me read it to you. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Dude, I think I need to read that again, because we need to let that sink down deep. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The stakes are so high right? They are so high and we need to guard our heart. We need to guard our heart because comparison is at the door. It wants to get in and comparison says to us that you lack, that you don't have what you need, that you're not enough. And so whether it is our figure or it's our confidence or our knowledge or our metabolism or ministry or marriages or kids or health or our hair or clothes or personality or popularity or platform, comparison it's trying to take our eyes off of Jesus and it distracts us with something else. And we need to understand that all those things that are trying to distract us, whether it's somebody's figure or whether it's somebody's job or whether it's somebody's whatever, it is a threat to our heart and to guarding our heart. And we need to guard our hearts so that those things don't get in. It reminds me of these verses in Jeremiah 2. It talks about how I think comparison is like a false well or a broken cistern. So I'm going to read that to you. 
It's probably not on the screen, I don't think. So let me read it to you out of my Bible. And it says in Jeremiah 2, 13, it says, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. And that reminds me a lot of what comparison does to us, doesn't it? Like Jesus has given us living water. And in this day, when what we're talking about in Jeremiah, there were three types of water. There was this living water that the Lord gives us. It is crisp. It is clean. It is beautiful for drinking. It satisfies us. And he offers this to us, and he offered it to them, just like he did at the well with the woman in John 4. He offered living water, living water that would satisfy our every need. And then in this time, there was well water. Just like the woman came to the well to get well water, they did too. And it was, you could drink it. It was fine. It wasn't living water, but it was drinkable, right? And then there was this cistern water, which was really runoff water that they dug in the ground. And I really think that that's what happens when we compare ourselves to others, is we forsake what Jesus would give us. And instead we're like, no, I need my own stuff. I need to drink my own thing. I'm going to dig this cistern, this broken thing to try to get what I don't have in Jesus. I don't think I have it in Jesus, so I'm going to dig my own well. But it's broken and dirty and gross, and would you ever drink that? No, but that's what we're doing when we compare ourselves to others is we're drinking from this broken cistern. It's not good water. What happens is it distracts our gaze from the Father who tells me who I actually am and who tells you who you are. And instead, we're looking to the left and to the right and to someone who's not qualified to tell us who we are. Only Jesus is. Y'all, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, that is his job. Like, What a bad job. That's what he does, though. From the beginning of the day when you wake up to the end of the day and really overnight, all he's trying to do is take your eyes off of Jesus. If he can do that, he can distract you. And so that is his whole plan during the day is to take your eyes off of Jesus. And from doing the will that God has put before you and the call that God has given you, he just wants you to miss it. And so he tries to distract you. And we start beholding a thing or a person instead of beholding Christ and our heart, which God made to love him and love people, starts to get crumpled because we have our heart, but then we start thinking about, well, I don't, I don't have her job and I don't have her ministry and I, I can't do that thing and I've never been able to, you know, like to sing. I don't know. We always have all these things that we're trying to compare ourselves to. And all of a sudden our heart looks like this and it's all crumpled up because the core of comparison is not about what I don't have, but about a God I don't trust fully. Hmm. So God is all wise and he's able to provide everything we need for the season we are in. And I love learning from the greats of the Bible like John the Baptist. John the Baptist is awesome. He ushered in revival. He introduced people to Jesus like this is the son of God. And he was baptizing his people, you know, the people. And Jesus started baptizing people with his disciples. And John's disciples got a little jealous. 
And they went up to John, and, and I think it kind of went something like this, like, hey, John, uh, I just noticed that Jesus and his disciples are over there, and they have a huge crowd, and they're all baptizing, or he's baptizing a huge crowd of people, way more than us. And you know that we were here first, right? We were here first. And I don't know, I don't know why he's doing that over there. What are you going to do about it? And John answered him in John 3.27, and he said, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Oh, man. John is saying that he already has all he needs, and it is God who decides who gets what and what people are going to do. So it doesn't do any good for us to be jealous of each other. It doesn't help us in any way to be jealous. It doesn't move the ball down the field to be jealous. It doesn't do anything. And frankly, being jealous sounds really immature, doesn't it? Like, I can admit, like, when I'm angry, I can admit if I've spent, like, um, spoke harshly to my children, like, it's easy to repent for that. But it's hard to confess when, like, I'm jealous. Like, I kind of feel like a 10-year-old girl. Like, I'm like, her shirt is more sparkly than my shirt. And I just wanted that shirt. And I can't believe she gets that shirt. Why can't I have that shirt? Right? But that's like what it does in us emotionally. In us emotionally, we're like, I just don't like them. Like there must be like something wrong with them or they just get to us. Like I just, I just feel worse when I think about them, right? And we try to avoid them and our heart actually shuts down. And it's embarrassing to admit, but when that's happening in me, I know my heart starts to grow cold and I turn inward And my mind starts to fill with thoughts, and I just live in this little space. Like, the whole world is going on around me, but I'm, like, right here, right, with all of these thoughts. And I can actually get mean because I'm jealous, because I'm envious, because they become a reflection of something I'm not. Or, this is even crazier, we hope people mess up. We're like, if they just mess up a little bit, then everything will be okay right? Just just mess up just a little bit this time. Or what about this, ladies? This is real, okay? So you walk into church and there's always that one person that always looks perfect and all of her kids are like, oh, God bless you. Like, and you're like, what the heck, right? Like, and then the one day that she doesn't look good, you're like, I'm free. I'm free. I can be me, right? That's real. And it's jacked up, right? But that's what we do. That is what we do, so we think that they're too pretty, we think that they're too nice, we think they're too too plastic, we're like, why do they spend money like that? But of course, we wouldn't know what we would do if we were in that situation. We get all kinds of judgy, and then we think it's not fair. We think it's not fair because we worked hard, and our kids didn't have that, and I, don't, I didn't get that break. But we don't really understand what fair really is. I don't think we understand the immense amount of mercy that covers each of our lives. And I really don't want fair. If, I, if I'm really being honest, what I want is I want to get ahead of you. Oh, our hearts. But that is really what it is. And that's the false fix, right? If I had more or that thing, it wouldn't resolve what's going on in my heart because I would just get ahead of you. But guess what would be in front of me? Somebody else. And I'd be like, well, I'm jealous of them now because my jealous heart goes with me everywhere I go. Ah, right? We think the problem is them, but it is really 
us. We are the problem. It is in our heart, so we distance ourselves from people to feel okay, but they are not the actual problem. There is nothing that they can do about our idolatrous, jealous hearts. They can't do anything. So where do these feelings come from? Well, they come from our heart, our sick, our jealous, our envious heart that didn't guard itself, that let jealousy in comparison in a little bit at a time. We were not guarding our heart like the tricuspid and the bicuspid valves. And we got distracted by something and we let our guard down. And we didn't heed the warning in Proverbs that said, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And before you know it, we're going in some crazy wrong direction, right? Because we didn't follow Jesus. Wow. You know, there's a lie that like permeates our society. We put it on t-shirts. We put it in movies. It's all over social media. And it's, and they say it sweetly. It's like, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 17:9. Oh my goodness. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Should we be following our hearts? No. I think about the Israelites. They were in the desert for 40 years. If I followed my heart, I would be in the desert for my whole life. Like I would just be wandering like aimlessly because my heart is sick, right? I need Jesus to direct my steps. And we are rebellious. Our heart is just naturally rebellious. And some of you are like, mine's not, and I do follow my heart, and it's great. Well, I'm going to tell you an example now to just prove to you that our heart is rebellious, okay? So, you know when you drive down the road, and they have those signs called speed limit signs, and they have a number on them? Well, first of all, I should tell you that when my husband drives, if you've ever driven with him or driven behind him, you know he does not speed, ever. He is a man of integrity. But when I'm driving, I see those signs that some law enforcement person put out there, and it was like, I'm supposed to obey it? And I'm like, no, 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 I will not. Because of my rebellious heart, it is in me to not obey that sign because I should not be following my heart. No, I should not. The real problem here is in my heart. It's not with people. It is in me. And if we went down a level deeper, we would understand that the problem is that I have an issue with God. The problem is that I believe that on some level that God owes me. That perhaps because I've been praying forever for this thing, or I've been good, or if I've checked all the boxes and done everything that I was supposed to do, and yet I'm still waiting for that thing. I'm still waiting for the Lord to give that to me. And I don't know where it is, and I don't know how he's going to do it. And something inside of me is saying, you're withholding something from me. God is withholding that from me. Because God could have fixed my marriage. God could have healed my disease. God could have given me that raise. God could have given me that ministry. God could have opened that door for me. God could have blessed our finances. But it didn't happen, and it's not fair but God never really claimed to be fair the way that we understand it. 
God decides what to do with his stuff. And he is all wise and way above us. And somehow we're reflecting off of them our problem with which your heavenly father has not given you. And we need to have the guts down deep. And maybe this is your challenge today, is to talk to God about it and tell him, I feel like you're withholding this from me. I've prayed about this. I don't understand why it's not here yet. I don't know what, what's happening. But I need you to minister to that place in my heart because it is broken. And I feel like you've let me down. And allow God to do a work in you. Another thing that comparison can do is it makes it really difficult for me to love the people around me. And that's what we're here for, isn't it? We're here to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous or conceited or proud. Love is not ill-mannered or selfish or irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but is happy with the truth. We can't have a full heart of love and be used of God to bring the kingdom and do what he is calling us to do unless we get rid of the envious jealousy in our heart. I cannot, here's the truth, I cannot love you like Jesus if I'm jealous of you. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to do a heart check. That makes me want to get before Jesus and ask him, I need to just dig that out of me, Lord. I don't want that there. Because in some ways, we are the sum total of all the decisions we've ever made. And when we keep making wrongly motivated decisions, we keep reaping a jealous and, and um, become more estranged from people who would love us because jealousy makes us further and further away from people. It creates distance. And jealousy says that I'm a thing to be served rather than a servant. Wow. It hurts our family, it hurts our church, it hurts our work environments because the core of comparison is not something I don't have, but it is a God I don't fully trust. I just want to read this verse. It's not on the screen, but it is, I believe, the secret sauce, the antidote to all of this. And it's found in Jeremiah 17. And it says in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, it says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord. And have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach down deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Why? because they put their trust in the Lord. Their hope and their confidence is found in him. So when we're in the waiting period, when we're in the time where we don't know when it's gonna come and we feel like we've been in the valley for so long and we see other people getting their stuff and we're like, Lord, our leaves are still green and we are still bearing fruit because our hope and our confidence is in Jesus alone. Amen? That is the antidote. So we're going to talk about how to practically practice this getting rid of comparison. So are you ready for this? 
Number one, we need to practice admission, okay? We need to acknowledge it. We need to acknowledge the fact that we are jealous, that we are having an issue with comparison. And our problem is with God. It's not with that person. It is with God himself. And we think that God owes us. And we need to admit that that thing bothers us or she intimidates me or it angers me that that's happening. Whether it's her mom's skills or her health or easy relationships with other females or that they have a better family life or her husband serves her so wonderfully or there's no addiction issues or she's always accomplishing more and more than me or further than I am or there's financial security. We need to admit it to the Lord. Admit it that it bothers us, that it's in us. It's also admitting that I need more Jesus. I need to understand that I cannot do this without more of the Lord. I need to be in his word. I need to be walking and talking with the Holy Spirit throughout the day and abiding in him. And every time something comes knocking at my door, I need to look to the Lord. And I need to admit that I need more of him. When I think about guarding our heart, I think about us as moms. I don't know about you, but I am a mama bear. Okay, like I am a full-fledged mama bear. All right, I get filled with adrenaline. If anything comes after my kids or does anything to my kids, it's like I turn into a whole different thing, okay? Like I'm like, right? Like I'm ready to go. Okay, but lately, this is interesting, I found that it goes a deeper level. So my son, John, and my daughter, Amber, play on Roblox, okay? And there's like this chat thing on this side, and people chat to them, they talk to them. And they're in public, like they're not like in their rooms, they're like in a public place, so like I see what's going on. But like if they say, they'll say, somebody said something to me. Okay, okay. Mama Bear goes away. Guess what comes out? Mafia mom. Like I literally turn into a mafia mom. I cannot even believe what comes out of my mouth. You can ask my children. I say, do you want me to kill them? Do you need me to get them? Like I literally turn into the mafia. This is crazy, right? Okay, but we need to act like that towards comparison. We need to guard our hearts like a mafia mom or a mafia dad. We need to be like, no. Do you want me to kill him? Do you want me to, not? don't kill people. But figuratively, like, do you want me to get him? And like, be that fierce. Because it's, there's such high stakes. Remember, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. We need to be that fierce for our hearts. We need to be guarding our hearts like the mafia. Okay, number two, we need to practice confession. We need to practice confession. We need to confess our jealousy to somebody. Now, some of us, this is so hard to hear, but some of us can't treat people positively because we feel so threatened. We're actually not free to love people yet because there's always a yeah, but in our spirit. And it keeps us from getting close to people and we can actually come off as rude to people. And we can mistreat people because of our jealousy. And I think we need to own that. Like that is what happens. So maybe it's time, maybe your challenge is that it's time to apologize to someone. And it doesn't need to be crazy, but you can just walk up to the person and just say, hey, so I've been feeling jealous and I don't, I don't want to make this weird or anything, but I feel like it's been weird and 
I love you and I just feel like I've been jealous of you and I just want to say I'm sorry and will you forgive me? Because I don't want this between us. I want to clear this out. And it can be as simple as that. But you know what happens when we confess sin? Because sin, normally it's in the dark and so we keep it to ourselves and it festers, right? And the devil has a heyday with it and so we're like, this is mine. But then when we let it out into the light, That is when Jesus does the miracle working power of healing and restoring and transforming that thing into something he can use for our good and for his glory. And he can heal relationships and do the miraculous because Jesus is now in control of that thing. So we need to bring it out into the light. The other part of confessing truth is to call things that are true, true, and things that are not true, false. And so as things start coming at you, comparisons start flying at you. You remember you're a mafia mom or a mama bear or a daddy bear or whatever. And so you're standing your guard, right? And as things come at you like you should have this, you can look at that thing and say, nope, I've got everything I need and chuck that thing. And you need to be like proactive with it. And just as things come at you, catch it, you look at it and you're like, that's not God and throw it away. That's what we need to do. The last thing we need to do is we need to make sure that we are being thankful. Thankfulness is the way to punch the devil in the teeth. It is your most powerful resource you have. So as you're tempted to compare yourself and be jealous and you feel those things flying at you, you just start thanking Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for my husband. Thank you that he is a good man. Thank you, only shoes. Thank you, Jesus, for my children. Thank you for my house. Thank you for the food in my fridge. Thank you, Jesus, that I have legs and that they work. Thank you, God, that I have energy. Thank you, Jesus, that you guide my way. Thank you that you've never left me or forsaken me. Thank you, Jesus, that you will always be faithful. And all of a sudden, we are praising the Lord, and we are full of the Holy Spirit, and we are like, my life is great. It is full of joy, and I can enjoy right what is in front of me because Jesus changes our perspective when we are thankful. And so we want to produce and let thankfulness out in the midst of our comparison. All right, before I go on to step three, I think I need to get something. Are you ready? Hold on now. Pray I don't trip. Okay. church, we should have balloons because there's so much to celebrate, right? Like literally, you can ask my husband, like I would take balloons every day to church because there's so much to celebrate. Like God is so good, right? Okay. But number three, we need to practice publicly celebrating people. We need to publicly celebrate them and develop the habit of looking at people and finding their successes and just totally getting really, really excited about them and saying it out loud, not to ourselves, not in our head, but sincerely and out loud. Like, man, that dress looks so good on you. It brings out your eyes, Sarah. And like, this is an amazing way. I love the way Alyssa led worship and Brandon and Erica led worship today. They led us into the the presence of God, and it was awesome. And we need to tell people, like, when you prayed for that person, you really ministered to them, and God used you. And I'm so glad that you got that promotion. You deserve that promotion. And we need to be publicly celebrating people. I'm telling you, this is where the freedom is. This is where we get free because we're no longer looking at 
All right. Let's get serious for a second. There are lots of things that we have in our heart that we don't have yet. There are lots of things, dreams, hopes, desires that we are still holding on to that we have not, we have not gotten yet. And I want to encourage you that what you can do with those things is you can pray about them. If you see something in somebody else that you're like, I wish I had that, I wish I had more of that, that I want to encourage you to pray for it. I want to encourage you to ask Jesus for that. Ask him for the grace to do that. Pour out that grace on me, Jesus, and then wait for it because God has good things for you too. And now it's time for our bonus point. It's not on the screen, but it's a bonus point. Are you ready? Awesome. Okay. There are lots of things, lots of dreams, lots of desires, lots of things that we have in our heart, lots of things that haven't happened yet. And it's time for us to take all of those things and surrender them to Jesus. It's time for us to give them to him, to set them at the foot of the cross. All of the things that we are hoping for, all of our prayers, all of the relationships that we wish were healed, everything in our life, we need to lay it before the Lord at the foot of the cross. And we need to remember that God is good that God is faithful. And right now, that thing seems so big right now in your life. But really, in reality, it's this big compared to all of eternity. Because I believe when we get to heaven and we're able to span down on all of the life, all of our life, and see it, we will see that God has been weaving together this beautiful tapestry of our lives. And he has never, ever missed a beat. He has never missed anything. But he has woven together your life so beautifully. And you will praise God in awe. And so lay those things down that are not anymore or that you're waiting for. God is going to meet you there. John 10.10 says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, to give you life and life to the full. Our life to the full is found at gazing our eyes on Jesus alone. That is where all my hope is found. That is where our way is found. That is who we are in Christ is found. That is where our gifts and our talents, that is where he says who we are is found. That is where our peace, that is where our joy, that is where our blessing, it's all found as I gaze into the eyes of Jesus. And I keep my gaze on him. So let's review how we're doing. How is your heart this morning? What's going on in there? Is there something you're envious of? Is there something that you need to admit? Is there something you need to bring before the Lord? Would you apologize if necessary? And would you start to celebrate people wildly? Because celebration breaks the power of jealousy and cleanses our hearts from the power of envy every single time. So my friends, eyes off of them, eyes off of self, and eyes on Jesus. He is all we need. 
I'm reminded of the hymn. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. And the light of his glory and his grace. Let's pray. Jesus, we just want to praise you. We just give you it all, God. We surrender it all to you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would have your way in here today, God. Have your way in our hearts, God. We want to have hearts that are fully committed to you, fully focused on you. God, I pray that you would bring out our mama bears. God, that we would be able to fight against comparison, that we would guard our hearts that we would admit when it comes, that we would confess when it's there, and that we would celebrate people wildly. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.